everyone to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. We are celebrating Women's History Month, or as I like to say, Women's Her Story Month. And I'd like to dedicate this show to my best friend, Joan, who many of you have met, many authors have met, many readers have met because we kind of travel around together going to book conferences and signing. Um, It's especially important for me to dedicate to to Joan because my guest today, Carlene O'Connor, writes Irish mysteries and my friend Joan is Irish. So let me tell you a little bit about Carlene. She comes from a long line of Irish storytellers. Her great-grandmother emigrated from Ireland to America, filled with all the tales and the stories that have been, and they've been flowing ever since. I mean, what a great way to, to be motivated to write. Of all the places across the pond she's wandered she most fell in love with a wall town in county court county limerick um, i'm sorry and it was inspired to create the town of kilbane county cork carlene currently divides her time between new york and the emerald isle i am thrilled to welcome best-selling author carlene o'connor hi carlene welcome to authors on the air and thank you for being here Oh, hi, Pam. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. And I almost feel like I have to apologize. I don't have the beautiful Irish brogue. I wish I did. Well, you know, as as we were talking in the green room, I mentioned to you that I have a, a niece who lives, and I know there's a big difference between Northern Ireland and Ireland, but she has tra- she is a permanent resident of Northern Ireland and has traveled extensively through Ireland and has lost her southern accent from Georgia and has just a teeny little bit of brogue. Um, just some of the words she says, and it's so obvious that she's immersed herself in the culture. Um, tell me about your great-grandmother. Uh, ironically, my great-grandmother was from Northern Ireland, too, from Ballymena. Uh, so they were Catholic in the north, and she came to America when she was about 18 years old, um, full full of her tales and stories. Uh, I never got to meet her. I wish I had, but I I have stories from her from my grandmother um, that that I replay in my head over and over. And ironically, one actually relates to the to my most recent mystery. Tell me. I'd like to hear it. Okay, yes. Um, so the recent mystery murder in Irish Cottage involves uh, fairy lore of Ireland. And I didn't even know the story related until I was doing some research. And to be honest, then it gave me goosebumps. But here's the story. When my great-grandmother, uh, whose name was Marianne O'Raw, when she was a little girl, she was late one day coming home from school. And she decided to cut through the cemetery, which was a known shortcut. Well, after a few minutes of wandering through the cemetery, and it was a foggy day, she, she got lost and started to panic because she couldn't find the exit. Suddenly appeared beside her a black dog. And it was friendly, and she petted it, and it began to kind of move forward a little bit and look back, so she followed it. The story goes, it took my great-grandmother all the way home, right to her door, and when she turned, you know, to thank the dog, it had disappeared. And when I was researching, 
Oh, it gets better. <laughs> when I was researching oh fairies for the book and Irish fairies, uh, which I knew very little about, and that I I could probably now you could probably enroll and try to get a PhD in all the different uh, mythical characters and fairies. But one of the shapes that fairies are known to take is a black dog. Oh and my gosh! When I when I read that, I literally got goosebumps. Like I don't think my grandmother, who told the story, even realized. That, that, that the story was even deeper than we knew. Uh, and then one more little odd thing, right after I received my author copies of the book, I was taking my dog for a walk in the park, and I just happened to look down at the base of this tree, and there was this tiny, I don't know if it used to be a Christmas ornament or magnet or what it was, but there was a tiny stone cottage that somebody had just you know, propped up against the base of this tree. A, so a fairy cottage. I took that as a sign. A fairy cottage. Um, so I, I took it, uh, put it in my pocket, and it's now here in the house. I thought that was the fairies or my grandmother or somebody blessing the book. How, what a great story. You know, of course the Irish have so many um, fo- so much folklore and myth and, and all about fae because they also have – folklore about leprechauns who were not necessarily the the kindly little wee things that a lot of people think they are that they were actually pretty stingy and pretty nasty little trolls did you find that also oh yeah in fact the fairies in this book are not um you have to be aware of them right you don't disturb a fairy path or a fairy ring or a fairy tree um, they can be right. cunning and exacting and playful, but they want favors. And if you're not giving them favors, they're not your glittery Disney fairies. Um, they can be actually quite vengeful. And so many of the stories told by Irish storytellers or Shanakee, um are are warnings. And, you know, a lot of the people do not come to good end in these fairy stories. <laughs> And aren't is it true that in in um, or went during your research and of course you know true being everybody's <laughs> whatever they believe um, are there fairy circles in fields? Uh, yeah, so a fairy ring um, is a fairy ring. actually yes. the most common is a ring of wild mushrooms and they just kind of grow naturally that way. Um, but a fairy ring can also be a ring of stones. Uh, fairy trees, which are most often hawthorn trees, can be found, formed in a ring. Uh, mostly, though, it's the wild mushroom rings that, that they're referring to when they call it a fairy ring. But there are oh fairy my God, forests, I... there are fairy trees, there are fairy paths. <laughs> A, um, a friend, a friend of mine who is also a writer, um, uh, she does techno thrillers, but um, she is an amazing gardener. And she has fairy rocks and fairy houses or cottages hidden amongst all of her flowers and trees in her backyard. So I'm always fascinated by that. And I'm always fascinated by stones that have drawings on them or little sayings on them. I have a few of them. And my friend Joan, who I mentioned to you at the beginning, um, has stepping stones with Irish sayings in her front garden. So I think that's pretty popular in, in the culture, is it not? Absolutely. When I was in the Aran Islands, um, same thing on, on your way up to the cliffs, you'll see tiny little fairy houses. I was there last September with my dad in, in Dublin even, and we walked into this kind of private garden and looked up in this tree and there was a tiny fairy sitting on a swing. So you have to look for them, but they're there. All right. 
And there's a there's a park um, called Loch Gur that has a complete. They've built a complete fairy path um, with signage and uh, stories for the kids to follow. It's it's really adorable. Oh my gosh! Next time you go to Ireland, you have to call me. <laughs> I want to go and get a tour <laughs> from someone who knows it. <laughs> yeah, I was just—I was just in London last year, and and I've never, I, although I've been throughout Europe, I've never been to Ireland, and it's always something I've wanted to do. Scotland and Ireland, who are you know so much legend and so much folklore, and such great storytelling. So. Is Great Grandma the one who inspired you to begin writing the Irish mysteries? No, um, and although funny looking back, um, my grandmother, the daughter of my great grandmother, I never saw my grandmother without an Ellery Queen magazine in her hand or a Dick Francis oh, yeah. book or an Agatha Christie. Oh yeah, and the oh, same yeah. with my aunt Bessie. Yeah, my aunt Bessie's a big murder mystery reader. And as a kid, I was a huge reader, and so was my sister. And they let us read, our parents and grandparents, they let us read whatever we wanted. And I remember once picking a murder mystery up from my Aunt Bessie's bookshelf, and then it got a little violent, and I was probably only eight or nine years old. And I remember handing her the book and saying, I can't, just tell me what happened. <laughs> tell me who did it. That was beyond, I, beyond your grade, right? That was beyond your, yeah. your age and, and reading <laughs> level. So. That's so funny. I'm yeah. a big mystery uh, reader from Agatha Christie and Ellery Queen and Nero Wolf and all those too. That I think, um, and I'll tell you a secret that when I, I used to get the Agatha Christie books off one of those little spinning book racks from the bookstore because they were small books. Yeah. And yeah. Um, when I, I first realized she has written over a hundred books. I had just picked one up on a whim on my lunch break one day and read the book through that afternoon when I got home and loved it and went back to the bookstore and would buy another book. And the owner of the bookstore said, well, Pam, you know that she's written over a hundred books. And I thought, Oh my Lord. (laughs) And so I went and got a list of her books in order because I thought that's how you were supposed to read them. And I, and that's what I did. I got like 115 Agatha Christie books in order. After a while, the bookstore owner says, look, you read these things so fast. Just bring it back tomorrow. I'll give you the next one. And then bring that back oh when you finish it. I know. So uh, I think that that really absolutely influenced the way I started reading mysteries and loving them so much. And I was young when I started reading them because I was working part time and, um, so I had to be still a teenager and um, I, I never could figure it out. It wasn't until I started reading and really absorbing all the little clues and understanding. So I, I got through half of her books before I figured out, you know, who done it and what the clues were. Isn't that funny? What a, what that a great is, way to I'm, start. Are you a, an Agatha Christie fan too? Um, you know, I need to be honest. I need to catch up. Um, my first introduction to her was was through her plays. I remember as a kid, we went and saw The Mousetrap. Yes. Uh, yeah, right. and really loved that. And and then and then there were none. We saw that play. Right. And I started kind of my life out as an actress and writing plays and oh. reading playwrights. Um, so I'm a little bit behind on catching up. I've I've I'm nowhere near the number of Agatha Christie's you've read, but uh, I have them all ahead of me. I've, I've probably read a dozen, but um, that's well, only a small would, chunk of what she's written. 
I want you to go back and tell me about your life as an actor. Oh, yeah. I, um, acting and writing were my first short stories when I was four years old, but um, I wanted to be an actress, and I, I went to a performing arts high school uh, in Ohio, and then I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York City. And from there, wow. I just did a lot of, I, I did improv comedy for a year, and I did a lot of off-off-Broadway plays. And then, uh, unlike writing, which you can do whenever you have time, um, it was right. hard for me to juggle, you know, being a waitress and making auditions. Of course. And of course. So my, my acting career kind of got sidelined as I did other things to make money. And I always thought I would go back to it. Um, and then, actually, when the writing thing kind of came about, that, that kind of changed my goals. And from then on, I focused on the writing path. Well, obviously, you chose well because your books are beloved. I mean, you have five-star ratings across the board on on your books, and so congratulations on that. I was, you know, reading some of the reviews on Amazon, and, you know, Murder in an Irish Village, the uh, book one of that particular series, was a blowout success, as was book two and book three. People love these books. Now, would you consider these to be cozy mysteries also? You know, I know that that's how my publisher, um, I, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't as familiar with all the classifications. Um, they are considered cozy in the fact that um, they're a small location. She started out as an amateur sleuth, which is also you know, part of cozy mysteries. Um, but mm-hmm. it's a little bit different too, because now she's an official guard. Um, by book three, she became an official guard. Um, and I can, I can get away with a little bit of Irish swearing as opposed to <laughs> American right. swearing. So right. um, I, and it's not disparaging them at all. And I, readers love cozy. No, I, understand. And I, I have a new appreciation, but I wasn't a big cozy mystery reader. Um, I was more of the hard-boiled mysteries or the Tanya French, you know, mysteries. Right, um, right. Now I'm starting to learn and, you know, pick up on some. So I kind of leave the classifying to other people, although I know that um, I, I keep it in the same small location and a limited number of suspects. And, you know, people do like to get to know the characters and have that kind of relationship with them as the series goes on. Um, so I would say maybe it straddles, you know, a couple of those genres. Right, right. Well, it's interesting to me because, you know, we we talked about Agatha Christie, and really, even though she set her most of her series, you know, it was a British mysteries, and, of course, there was Murder on the Orient Express and everything else, but her lead characters were British. Um, you could, I, and I don't think anyone would call her a, a cozy mystery writer, so maybe you're kind of along the same line as an Agatha Christie writer because um, that's a high compliment <laughs> oh well you know i think so anyway and i i hope everyone will agree um so i want to you know i got sidetracked with you being an actor which is very cool my very best friend since five years old is a professional actress she does theater she is a master teacher with the spolen workshop her name is jean marie shout out to one of my my oldest friend ever um but I want to talk to you about your writing process and what wonderful woman you want to acknowledge during Women's History Month. 
Oh, so many. And I knew questions like this would be coming. And I started making a list of the writers I loved. And then when I had like five single spaced pages, I thought, okay, you got to stop now. Um, I love Margaret Atwood. I love Joyce Carol yeah. Oates. I love, I had mentioned already um, Tanya French mysteries, Jennifer yes. Egan. Oh, I, as a kid, I loved Lois Duncan, read all her books. And of course, Judy Bloom. Um, Lisa oh Jewell, my God, yes. Alice Marwood, Ruth Rendell, Anne Cleves, Lewis Penny. Uh, there's so many fantastic, Attica Locke. Uh, there's so many fantastic female writers. And I like to read a yes. lot of psychological suspense. And man, the British women are just like dominating oh, that field. They're killing you, they? They are killing they really are. Martha Grimes, I like her. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, Marion um, Keys, I- and I actually got to meet Marion Keys. Uh, She's such a beautiful, fantastic person. Besides, I love her books. Well, you mentioned Anne Cleves. I met her uh, last October in London, and I can't remember where I met Ruth Ware. Um, I know I, I know a lot of those people because I go to a lot of you know book conferences and everything to to broadcast. And you're right. I it seems like women are just really running up book sales like crazy. And I'm so happy to see it. Aren't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, they're like now the trailblazers world. I meet so many great, there's so many great female writers and male writers, of course, too. And I have a list of them, but there are so many great female writers out there. It is exciting. It really is. And, and the field is open it to is. new writers as well these days and um, diverse writers. And we want all voices out there for sure. We sure do. We sure do. Um, let's talk about the current book. I, I want because I, because we're going to talk about your one that's coming out in April too. Let's talk about Murder in an Irish Cottage. Would you give your elevator pitch? In other words, the synopsis for this book, please. Sure. So when McDara Flannery, who is our my lead heroine's character's fiance, Siobhan O'Sullivan. Uh, he gets a call, a distress call from his cousin. Um, there's something the matter with um, her aunt, or his aunt, her mother. And they travel out to this cottage that's in a remote village. And the cousin is blind, although she knew immediately the mother had passed away. And it turns out this cottage is in the middle of a fairy path. And the town uh, has not only wanted it turned, you know, torn down, but there have been five mysterious deaths in the cottage over the past 20 years. So the town is convinced fairies killed the aunt and Siobhan O'Sullivan is a little worried that the culprit is a little bit human, just as evil, but very human. Wow. I love this story. And do you want to hear the crazy story story. behind that? Yes, I do. The crazy story behind that is (laughs) (laughs) when I knew I was writing, all I knew is I was writing Murder in an Irish Cottage. You know, my editor and I sometimes figure out the title or the next, you know, location. And I have right. never done this with any book. This fairy book has a lot of weird things connected with it, but I Googled for some reason, never done this before. I decided to Google murder in an Irish cottage. I just wanted to see what would come up. And lo and behold, in West Ireland, a town called Lixna, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. There was a cottage in the middle of a fairy path that had five oh my God. deaths in 20 years Somebody was stabbed, somebody died in a car accident, somebody hanged themselves, somebody burned themselves down in a fire there. And so uh, finally a woman was murdered and they think her autistic son did it. 
And so the town was in a fury over wanting to have this cottage torn down. I couldn't believe it. So that was the inspiration for my fictional story, Murder in an Irish Cottage. I love it. How funny that you had this name and you go and Google just because I love Google. Google is my best friend. I look up everything (laughs) on Google. I mean, I, I have been going crazy looking up everything on Google, so I totally get it. You know, not that they're always right or anything, but still, um, that's so cool. Uh, you know, it's it's like you're surrounded with the good luck of the of maybe not the good fairies because we know that they're not always, but you've got some Irish luck running rubbing off on you. <laughs> I, I really this book I I have to kind of like I keep giving a nod to my to my grandmother and my aunt, the mystery readers, to my great grandmother. I really do. I don't always get woo woo, but I really do feel like there was some mystical things behind this book. It it certainly has felt like it from from finding the fairy cottage to, you know, Googling that story for the inspiration uh, to my grandmother's story about the black dog. I mean, that's at least three weird things around the book that I think have kind of giving it its blessing. I love woo-woo. Woo-woo is fun. <laughs> I, I think woo-woo is great. I really do. Now, you have a new book that's releasing in uh, April 28th or thereabouts called Murder in Galway. And this is a home to Ireland mystery. And this is the first book in this series. So tell us a little bit what is different about this book. It's completely different um, because the protagonist in that series is an American woman, and she goes to Galway, which is the um, town her mother was from when her mother passes away because her mother's wish was to have her ashes um, returned to Galway. And she has an estranged uncle that she's there to meet. Uh, But when she arrives, uh, there's a funny incident, and I, I won't give it away. It happens in the first few pages. Um, but then a startling discovery in her uncle's uh, little, another cottage, um, where her uncle, she thinks is her uncle found murdered, but that it turns out to be somebody else and her uncle is missing. And she is um, actually an interior designer in New York City. And her uncle owns a salvage shop, uh, architectural salvage shop in Galway. Oh. So she actually oh. gets involved in working at the salvage shop while trying to figure out uh, where her uncle is and and who killed the victim. So is there some type of, it is, is there some type of inspiration that made you have to write this book? Um, I just know that I'm, I have to live with a book for a year. So I do have to spin ideas that excite me. And I, I, there was an architectural salvage show based in Wales that I was addicted to watching. And I, I loved that. I had been to Galway. I love the excitement of Galway. I knew I wanted to have it a different location than my County Cork mysteries. And I decided to have an American woman because the Irish village mysteries are all from Ireland, Irish characters. So I, I didn't want too much crossover. So my inspiration right. is usually just what do I like and what would excite me enough to, you know, keep on with the book for the period of the year it takes to write it. I love those um, reclamation shops, you know, the all the, the doodads that come from old places. We have one in the town where I live, in the city where I live. And I junked around in there one day with one of my friends who is an artist. 
And we just had so much fun imagining all these bits and old wood and shapes and tubs and sinks and fixtures and knobs and all these doodads. And, you know, you could write it. You actually could write your own story there. So I understand that completely. Um, I want to have you please tell everyone about your website and all the great pictures that are on there. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's carlineoconnor.net. Uh, it was kind of my experiment. I actually built it myself. Maybe I keep saying eventually I'll get a professional web developer to do it over, but I like it. But it has pictures from Kamalik, Ireland, which is the town the Irish Village Mysteries is based on, although I've fictionalized it and named it Kilbane and kind of moved it up to County Cork. Um, but Kamalik is a gorgeous medieval walled town in County Limerick, about 45 minutes from Limerick, and it's between Cork and Limerick City. I did not know you could fall in love with a town until I visited Kamalik uh, with my then boyfriend, who is still a great friend of mine. And every book I write, he says, how do I die this time? <laughs> um, but I was in awe. They have a ruined Dominican priory. They have a town castle. And I was very jealous. I said, oh my do you gosh. have a town castle? I said, I grew up with a white castle. Like, this is not <laughs> That's good. <laughs> oh, my so Lord. I fell in love with Kamalik. And then um, when I visited the first time, I didn't even know I'd be writing murder mysteries set in Ireland. So I was so thrilled when I was asked, my editor asked if I would be willing to write a murder mystery series set in England. And I said, oh, I, I wouldn't know the first thing about setting it in England. I said, but I could set it in Ireland. And um, then I was thrilled to be able to go back and kind of kidnap, the, you know, fictionally the town of Kamalik because um, I just fell in love with it and the people, but it's just such a beautiful town. I think all of Ireland probably is beautiful, you know, and I, I hope to get there sometime. Um, are you on social media, Carlene? Yes. Uh, so CarleneO'Connor.net is the website. And I'm also on Facebook, uh, Carlene O'Connor Mysteries on Facebook. And on my other Facebook page, I'm Mary Carter Books on Facebook. Um, my real name is Mary Carter. Um, I write the mysteries under Carlene O'Connor. But honestly, I answer to either name. So you can call me Lovely. whatever you want. But CarleneO'Connor.net is probably the best place to start. And I have a newsletter if people want to join it. Wonderful. I have so enjoyed talking to you today. I want you to come back and I want you to like oh. talk to Tana French or, or talk to one of your other writing heroes, like to Jewel or somebody and, and you be the guest host. Would that be okay? Oh my gosh. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> we will have so much fun. Thank you so like much for being to talk to me. I don't know. I would love to. <laughs> we, we we get a lot of really great writers. We'll find we'll find. I have to get Ann Cleves on, and maybe C J Tudor. You know who's also great. So Mary um, Keys is a lovely woman too. I met her once. She she doesn't know I met her, <laughs> but um, she well, I love her too. I, I'm a big fan girl on anybody who can write a book. So I understand that completely. This is, friends, this is Carlene O'Connor. The new book is out, and the next book will be out in April, and then the next book after that will be in August, I believe. 
Carlene O'Connor, <laughs> thank you so much. Happy Women's History Month. I've so enjoyed having you here. Thank you so much, Pam. This has been a pleasure, and the time went really fast. Thank you. It it did. Listeners and readers, thank you so much for being with me, and thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. (laughs) 